Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. I'm not even going to try to play it cool. My guest today is one of my all-time favorite artists. I first knew him as the piano-pounding frontman of the 90s alternative trio Ben Folds 5, where his flamboyant, almost punkish virtuosity and ingenuity on his instrument brought to mind Jimi Hendrix. That is, if Hendrix traded his six-string Stratocaster for a Baldwin baby grand. With the five and a series of solo albums and EPs like Rock in the Suburbs, Songs for Silverman, and Way to Normal, he solidified his reputation as one of the finest songwriters this side of Randy Newman and Harry Nilsson. He's a brilliant melodist and an immensely gifted lyricist, writing insightful character studies with a novelist's eye for detail. Music just seems to pour out of him, as he demonstrates during almost each of his concerts when he makes up a song on the spot. Now, crafting a song with unlimited time and the privacy of your own home is one thing, but doing so before an audience of thousands is quite another. This spontaneous act of artistic bravery made a huge impression on me as a young music lover and amateur player. To me, it was like watching a magician pulling a rabbit out of his hat, only to realize there was no trick. It actually was magic. These impromptu songs were both a display of confident technical mastery and an exuberant expression of joy, all wrapped up with a subversive title, which was, more often than not, Rock This Bitch. I spent a great deal of time as a young amateur musician watching in the crowd during his concerts, wondering how in the hell he was able to tap into this bottomless well of creativity with what appeared to be total fearlessness. As an older amateur musician, and, you know full-time human being, I'm still trying to figure it out. Now he's trying to help us along with his new podcast, Lightning Bugs, Conversations with Ben Folds. Throughout the series, he demystifies the artistic process in a practical, scientific way by exploring creativity in its many forms. The series kicks off with an interview with anthropologist Augustin Fuentes, who argues that creativity was and is an evolutionary necessity. It's in all of us and has a practical place in everyone's everyday life, regardless of profession. Yeah, it's become a cliche to say that everyone is creative, but the Lightning Bugs podcast proves it with science and compelling discussions. I found the show to be inspiring and essential listening. I've recommended it to so many of my friends. Even if you have no interest in music, it doesn't matter in the slightest. His guests are incredibly varied, ranging from comedian Bob Saget to spiritual activist Marianne Williamson and business titan Jeff Lawson. 
There are music therapists, actors, and TV show runners, and a choreographer. And to further melt my brain, each episode ends with an impromptu song. In case you didn't pick up on it, I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome Mr. Ben Folds. I hope you enjoy our discussion as much as I did. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time this morning, your time. I really appreciate it. It's such, a, such an honor. Uh, well, first off, you have an amazing new podcast called Lightning Bugs, Conversations with Ben Foles, which demystifies the creative process and takes the position that, regardless of occupation, everyone is creative. And to prove it, here's the science. What is the genesis of the show? How did it first come together? Well, I think it probably, probably really, the seeds probably were planted in the past decade or so, as I've been uh, going to bat for arts funding, because uh, one of the, one of the things, if, when you trace it back and you, and, and you see the lack of response and the lack of action in investing in essentially uh, creativity, you begin to realize that we undervalue creativity and we misunderstand that it's something that's just for the arts sector that is just for little little artists making little trinkets on the side and while that makes everyone happy it doesn't put food on the table but then when you start to kind of roll that back what you realize or you start to look underneath the hood is what you realize is that the 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 arts are a big big economic driver and furthermore any business is successful is a creative business and then you start to kind of go even further and you're like well wait a minute Pe- people wouldn't have survived as a species if it weren't for creativity so it kind of gets bigger and bigger and 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 the appreciation of it even from my angle has grown and so what I've wanted to do is is really kind of reinstate people's self-esteem about their own creativity because that is key to our uh, survival and flourishing. So that's really, that's a long way of saying it, but it did take a decade and a half to come to that. So, uh, so it, you know, taking 70 seconds to explain it, I guess, makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you're right. There's a point I feel like that um, every kid at some point in their life gets told either through words or actions that, yeah, that you're, 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 good, but you're not good enough. That meaning like you're not good enough to actually make it pay, you, you know, and, and that's that's such a terrible thing to, to, to do because I, I think about, it's a very Western way of looking at it. In the West, we, we, we take musicians, we other them, we put them up on a stage, put them up on, on a literal pedestal and sit back and kind of watch. And then you look at cultures where music is is a way of life and it's something that, that is, everybody's involved with every day. I mean, how do you combat that? How do you really sort of integrate it back into, into everyday life? Well, I think you have to just I'd like to think what I'm doing with the podcast is slowly getting to to that point, you know, just by showing one after another guests who are creative in different ways and then, uh, you know, having anthropologists on or musicologists or a neurologist, anyone to kind of then explain a little bit of, of the importance of creativity in evolution uh, in the way our brains work from day to day. If you just take music, for instance, I mean, we are bombarded with music all day long. And so one could argue, well, music is a part of everyone's life, but we're passive in that. You know, like like the, the, the way the human species evolved, it seems to be that w- we were active in it. You know, you sing about this, you sing about that, you sit around at the end of the day after you've done your, whether it's hunting and gathering or whatever the human species was doing at any particular time in our evolution. And we are trading ideas through songs. We're actually healing, meaning that that everyone's always kind of understood. They could sing a baby to sleep or they could sing to someone to calm them down. Conflict, resolution, empathy, celebration, all these things, people were doing those. And in many, many, many cultures are still doing it. But we've, yeah, you you said westernized. We've uh, commercialized music in a way. And when you say putting on a pedestal, we've given license to a certain section of the population to be unnaturally popular at it while the rest of us sit around and, and, and watch it. And while I think that that's fun and that's, 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 that's a thing, you know, uh, at the same time, it has sort of led to a, a framework. And the framework is that those people are creative and we are not. And those people are frivolous and we are practical. 
See, but to be practical is to be creative. And to be creative is not frivolous at all. And it's completely unnatural what we're doing. Although, you know, maybe in 10,000 years of evolution, we'll catch up to the rock concert and how goddamn weird that is. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, one of my favorite guests that you had on the show was Augustin Fuentes. It was an anthropologist who effectively said what you just said, that the creativity was an evolutionary necessity. And he was talking about how he was talking to somebody who came up to him after a seminar and said, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm just not creative. And, and, and he said, well, what, what is it that you do? Oh, I'm a scientist. <laughs> I thought, well, being a scientist, that's, you would hope that, that, that people... I mean, science is all about creativity. Creativity, like you said, isn't, you know, just, just finger painting or banging a triangle on the back of a choir class or something. I mean, it, it is, is all around us, you yeah. know? So there are practical benefits. It is. It is. And, and it's a matter of when someone's not happy with what they're doing, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's very possible that they just don't have, I mean, I say they, we. I mean, anytime I've been in, in something that I didn't have, some kind of creative agency or some, you know, some sort of collaborative creativity, something inside it. God, that makes you a lot happier about it. I remember working at a print shop when I was a teenager and, you know, my job was to go in six hours a day and just look at every single cigarette package. It, they were yet to be folded. You know, they coming off of, of some kind of conveyor belt or something we're supposed to look at one after another for six hours to see if there were any smudges or anything on them, you know, and, and that's about as uncreative as it gets to squint at thousands and thousands of, of cigarette wrappers to see which has uh, inconsistencies or smudges on it and put it aside. But I figured out this little way that me and my kind of partner, because they, they would pair us up, could do it really fast. And it was fun. Like suddenly it's like I'd come up with something. He'd come up with something. We figured it out. I'd do half of it. He'd do the other half. Flew through it in a day. And we got in trouble for breaking the curve because they had a certain productivity quotient that they needed to hit. And, <laughs> and furthermore, I was not to talk anymore because I was spreading bad ideas throughout the print shop. <laughs> Hand Luke or something. <laughs> it was rough. But, you know, I thought about that. I was like, you know, I was happy for like two days doing this and I was giving them high productivity, but that's not the way we think. You know, we don't think that way. Like instead of, instead of like the boss man going, wow, you know, this kid is happier. He's come up with something and we're more productive. He thought, shit, I'm going to lose my job because all of a sudden it's shown that we can do three times as much. And I'll be expected to continue that rate. And I want this kid to shut up and we're putting those wrappers back in the bin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that is a, a terrifying, very very cool hand Luke-like uh, illustration of, wow, it that's, is. that's really <laughs> horrifying. But wow, I mean, but that's a great illustration of creativity. It has all sorts of, of, of practical benefits. I mean, well, let me ask you, your, your podcast is called Lightning Bugs. And, and Lightning Bugs is an image that you used in the title of your, your memoir a few years back. I wanted to ask you more about that. Why do you keep coming back to that metaphor? Why is it a, is it a touchstone for you? Well, I mean, it stuck because it was in a book, and the book was published and was and and is littering the planet now. So uh, it 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 gives it an attachment, as you'd understand, as you promote, you know, the things that you do. It attaches itself to something else, and then furthers the 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 brand of that. Honestly, that's probably the main reason. But there is a good conceptual reason as well which is that it is about creativity and creativity as far as my metaphor for it comes from a dream when I was a kid that was about lightning bugs and catching them in a jar. And while that's cruel, the, the idea that there's a flicker that you see and that you have to chase that flicker, you know, sometimes even after it's not a flicker anymore, if you watch a, a, a firefly, it lights up and you see it then and then it sort of disappears for a while and you're not sure where he went. And then lights up again. And I think that's the way chasing creativity is. I think that metaphor works for, continues to work for me for like loads of reasons that, that I think of only after, like later, like, oh, wow, you know, in the daylight, you can't see the flickers at all. So I think of the daylight as being when you're overly aware of technique and process. So when you turn the lights on in your head and you really become a lucid thinker, suddenly all those creative ideas are, are harder to chase because it's harder to see, it's harder to see the flicker.
Reminds me of the discussion you were having with the uh, with Sarah Bareilles, where she was talking about how when she she first started writing songs that just sort of came from her, and then when she started learning theory and technique, it, it kind of spoiled the allure a little bit initially, and it kind of it, it, it she felt almost stifled by it. And it's I know that's got to be kind of a tricky thing too, because you you know you have someone like Picasso who you think of as being this rule breaker, but then you look at his early work and it looks very classical. It looks like so I guess you kind of need to learn the rules in order to break them. But it's, it's a fascinating dichotomy. No, but you're exactly like what you're hitting on is it is the the great challenge of of art and creativity. You know, it's uh, it's if you're if you're diving into the unknown and into uh, creative ideas, things that you haven't seen before, just because of the way we're built, you're heading into a sea of contradictions. And the contradiction is, you know, you need to learn technique in order to make something. But learn, the learning of the technique can be very distracting, can turn that light on and can make it difficult to see. So both those things exist at the same time. I think any artist worth their salt will at least admit that that technique is very important and will also acknowledge that it can be extremely distracting and it can throw you completely off the horse. I would point out with someone like Sarah Bareilles that she has, for whatever reason, impeccable singing technique and she also has uh no because we've worked together enough for me to know that she is she's got one of the best ears she's just absolutely insightful her talent and her technique is formidable she just doesn't like the technique of placing the labels and the uh the words and and certain concepts to it she would prefer someone else to it and I would add to that that, as Augustine Fuentes pointed out, primatologist who was on my show, creativity has has evolved as a collaborative process. So you have one person who is able to pull off the technique, and you have another person you're collaborating with who might not have the technique but has a couple of ideas. That's a collaboration. You were saying earlier about how it was integrated into a community at one point, music and, and art in general, and uh, and as opposed to now when it's just the one person who gets exponentially more famous for you know the one thing that they're able to do. Yeah, which is you know it's part of the reason why with 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 my recent records, uh, people have considered those because I've given credit on the front of the record to my collaborators rather than just hiring them and putting them on the back of the record. Uh, it appears that I haven't made a solo record in years. <laughs> They're just as much solo as anything I ever did before, just the way you put your name on it. It's kind of like Ben Folds 5 had my name on it, made it look more like uh, like a solo thing than it was a collaborative thing, but it was actually the opposite. So I suppose I felt like I needed to rectify that that, <laughs> that over the years. <laughs> the, ethos, the ethos of your show, Everyone is Creative, is really potent for me because you are a major reason I learned how to play piano and I wanted to play your songs and I love music and I love playing. I have never in my entire life, I'm 33 years old, I have never been able to write a song. I I can't do it. I, I desperately want to. Instead, I speak to people who can and hope that some of their magic rubs off on me and of course it never does. What would you say to someone like me who really just struggles? I don't know if it's self-censorship. I don't know if it's fear of failure. I don't know what it is. What would you say to someone like me to try to help break through that well my hard-ass russian teacher part which i don't know why that exists but there is one voice like that in the back of my head you know the the violin teacher that wraps you on the knuckles with the ruler when you play a scale wrong i would say you're, you're not trying hard enough that's one that would be one side because there are two forces at play there is how your willpower and then the uh you know the uh, inertia of ideas and the fear you have to break through and all the all the self-censorship you have to try harder than uh than your opponent you have to get past that opponent and Mm. into the end zone and it, it never ever was easy for anyone i fucking hate it i hate writing songs i do i've always hated writing songs i think it's hard to do every time i do it in the middle of it i'm convinced it's not original it's terrible it's awful. It should be thrown away. I'm horrified if I've shown it to anyone. I want it to be gone. It, and it just kind of have to keep doing it. Now, that said, uh, the other side is my kindness side, which is like, how can we soften that opponent up? 
How can you get past that opponent? If you're self-centering, you have to find a way not to do that so much. And some of it is going to be confidence. Someone telling you, like, you know, one of my guests, Caleb Teicher, is very young. He's a tap dancer. He said something really cool, which is he he shows some of his stuff that he's working on to his closest yes people. Like the equivalent to like showing it to your mom and having her tell you it's great. He needs that. You know what? That's not a bad idea. As long as you don't take that completely to heart. If you need some fuel to get through, to be like, man, it's really good. There's nothing wrong with that. At some point, your editor is going to come in. Your editor will come in and cut this shit to size. You're going to be you're going to be okay. So, I think getting that self-censoring out of the way is key for some people. That is a uh for some people that that could be alcohol or drugs and I wouldn't recommend that but you can't you can't ignore that that has been a big part of people uh creating and it's the easy way out but but there are many other ways that are probably better because you can probably do a better job of something if you're not fucked up I mean I think like there's no reason why chilling out meditation in your life somehow a little bit of work on yourself so that you don't have such low self-esteem. To have people like myself who do make things telling you you can do it is not bad, you know, because that's what we should be doing. Like, what else? I mean, basically, you have to be able to spit out your ideas with no judgment. You have them. They're there. You just don't like them. You've got an idea right now. You could grab one of those guitars behind you and you could make something right now or the piano next to you. You could do this immediately. You could play the first chord you have under your hand or in your head. Just play it and then sit and wait. Well, what's the next thing? You might say nothing. Awesome. That's a rest. What's the next thing? Oh, God, I don't know. I guess I'll repeat the A minor. Hit the A minor again. What's next? Nothing. Space. Okay, we have a chord, space, chord, space. Why'd you do that? Well, I don't know. Because he told me to. What's the name of your song? Because he told me to. There's always something there. You can follow what happens naturally through that process, and you you will make something. Now, you're going to tell me you don't like it, or it's not good enough, or it's not original. Well, that's your problem. I mean, the truth is, is it is real, and you've been making it up. I say keep building on it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There's a, a really fascinating clip of uh, Paul Simon on Dick Cavett in the mid-70s, where he's, he's midway, I think he's working on Still Crazy after all these years, and he hasn't finished it. And, and he goes through all the different harmonic possibilities that, he could, that are available to him. And it, 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 it becomes like a puzzle. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, how much of songwriting is, is problem solving? Oh, beautiful question. Creativity is so much more fun when we're solving a problem. And problem solving is also a really good distraction inside. Mm. <laughs> it's like math. It's like we're not we're not interested in math until we have to know how far away we should park our car from the corner or we have to know how much money is left at the end of the month. <laughs> you know, like suddenly math becomes interesting because you're using it to solve a problem. And creativity has that kind of relationship with problem solving too, where it's a little bit the other way around. When we're solving a problem, we become more interested in what we're doing. You know, uh, you've got a problem to solve and you have to come up with a creative way to do it. So creativity becomes necessity and it feels welcome. And so I think that that, that problem solving and, and creativity of any kind just go hand in hand. And, and Paul Simon is a very lucid, obsessive songwriter, very thorough, and also very poetic. So he's he's probably had a very hard road, like a, a lot of work has gone into his songs. The one you're talking about, Still Crazy After All These Years, you know, it occurred to him that maybe what he needed to do for the bridge was leap to a harmonic uh, environment which he hadn't explored yet, which was roughly in the key or enough related to the melody because he wanted to enter a, just a new world suddenly. I don't think he would apply that rule to everything, but it occurred to him, how, how can I get somewhere? And his, you know, his intuitive mind told him, you need to go somewhere, a new space. Like I need to walk into a new space. And so he looked at his choices as he's problem solving. And it's not like, Oh, inspiration is stricken. I hear four in the morning. It's not the way it happened. For him, it was actually fairly intellectual as he realized he needed to go somewhere new. This is what happens when you're writing a song is that uh, a, a lot of stuff becomes suddenly intellectual and then the intellectual pops it over to your uh, inspirational and you chuck it back and forth. And what do you do when you're you're kind of up against it and trying to push through? I think I saw something on Instagram where you were saying you were going out for a lyric walk. To Is that something that's helpful for you to kind of step away from it literally and metaphorically and, and kind of clear your head? Or Yeah, I do. And that's like, you know, that's, that's me at the point where, um, you know, you've probably found yourself walking up to a massive skyscraper of resistance as you decide you might want to write something. And that's me looking at the skyscraper and going, okay, well, which door can I walk in? I don't think I can climb the steps. I don't know, but I'm going to walk in the door. So like kind of moving, you know, entering another place, just doing something to move forward. I, someone recently told me that his father said to him, oh, enough shavings makes a pile. And I like that. So it's like if I walk, if I take a walk and I end up with just one tiny concept or three syllables or even something that I've cut from a song, I've made progress. I'm closer to finishing the song. Is writing something that you do every day, like some people do, like a yoga practice or jogging, or is it something that you have something that you want to say, you sit down and begin, begin working on it? No. The crafting of writing uh, is something I don't do that often more of what I do is go off in my brain playing with a song that I haven't heard before or maybe even something that I have. I mean, there's no rules to it. Maybe I can change around something someone else wrote for a second or imagine a piano solo or just kind of uh, almost compulsively run four bars of strings around in my head. I'm not going to do anything with that stuff. That's what I do most of the time. It just It just runs in my head in some sort of way. 
it doesn't seem like anything. I don't feel like messing with it. My willpower uh, to make something is not great enough because no one's given me a deadline. I was going to ask you, do you get more inspiration looking outward or looking inward? Oh, that's a good question. I think when you look outward, you're still looking inward because you're going to look at a landscape and see the, the, the shapes that look most like you or what you're interested in. You know, so if I'm writing about somebody, you know, later on, I'll look back on it and go, oh, I was writing about them because something about them was either reminding me of me, something I wanted to be, something that I was horrified if I was, something I was interested in uh, about that character or that person. And it's easy to write in characters. Well, I don't know if it's easy, but it's I, I, li I like to write in characters sometimes because, you know, it allows you that freedom to like asking for a friend kind of stuff. <laughs> I've always been so fascinated by your characters because, I mean, they're, they're so varied. I mean, there's there's a, a, a Japanese businessman in the midst of a midlife crisis. There's there, there's an Archie Bunker-ish Uncle Walter. There's a, a lecherous mall cop. There's Muhammad Ali. I mean, and you always portray them, even when you're critical of them, you, you portray them with, with empathy and respect. Oh, and it, it's so fascinating to me. I mean, what draws you to a certain character? I mean, does it allow you, like you said, to express a certain side of yourself? Or is it just a character that interests you and you kind of want to get inside their head just just for fun. Well, I think that's where it goes back to my metaphor about the lightning bugs. It's like something illuminates, like some, something, something flickers. And it can be like, you know, like I think one great example of a song like that is John McRae of Cake, his song Opera Singer. You know that song? I yeah. am an yeah, opera yeah. singer. It's awesome because he's sort of like something like what does John know about uh, about opera singers you know it, but he saw something or I've never asked him like but something was luminous about that character and then John is in it too you know and there's these things about meeting heads of state and he stands on painted tape he's told where to go and where to sing and this shows the, how rote singing someone else's songs could be and how he doesn't understand why people want to shake his hand all the time and tell him he's great, but he loves it. And it's, you know, like something lit up in the sky. And I think that's where the mystery is. It's like, why? I don't know. Let's not ask why right now. Let's just do it. I mean, I remember one day going, oh, I want to write Charlie Sheehan, the, the musical. Like just one day I was like, man, this would be great. Because think about how many people hate him and what he stands for, and also are jealous that he can say anything he wants to, and probably a lot of uh, sort of slightly more darker closeted people about things wish that they were able to do all those things and live that lifestyle, and they're even more judgmental of him. And I thought, wouldn't that be a great song? By the end of the day, or a musical or song, and by the end of the day, I'm like, no, nah, I don't think I'll mess with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, well, you're opera singer. I mean, it makes me think of uh, your song on being frank. You know, I, 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 I have at it all, or should I said I saw it all. I mean, being this adjacent figure to, to Frank Sinatra, it's, it's another, yeah, it just, it reminds me of looking at the world through somebody else's eyes, I suppose. I ended up meeting the, uh, the ex-tour manager of Frank Sinatra just by chance. And I played him the song on my phone in his ear at a dinner because he was interested. And he goes, um, nah, that doesn't sound like me. Nah. <laughs> Nah, I've been looking after Don Rickles now for years. Nah, nah, you know, my, my, my friend started a, a restaurant, and I've been interested in that. And I'm, I'm, it's like not, wasn't him at all. But the point wasn't that it was about him. The point was I think I was interested in a character such as that because I was interested in anyone, which is almost anyone, who has been in a relationship for so long that they forget who That's they are. That's a really great point. There was a, an episode of your, I think it was the, the episode with Bob Saget, when you were talking with him about how hard it was to get back to the raw joy of writing music when you were 13. Like it had become to a certain degree work. How do you, and really just anyone, stave that off and, and preserve as much joy in, in the creative process as, as they can? Well, I think there's a certain kind of artist that uh, high fives himself in the studio up and down, and and it's just like that is the shit. Listen to that. That's that's me. Scroll. That's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And and I really uh, uh, kind of admire and I'm jealous of that. I think the problem is with many of us is that we get too critical and jaded really early. And I say I think I was 
probably guilty of that I don't know how you stave that off. I mean, I, 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 I'm I not that damn impressed with what I do. And I, I think that that is, you know, I think that that makes it harder. Maybe it makes my quality control a little more rigorous. You know, like, I don't think anyone needs another one of my fucking songs or, or, or hear my voice coming out of a speaker. That's really how I feel in the depths of my soul. But then, you know, like, I'm here on earth. I don't think anyone needs me to drink the water or to be a hole in the air or to, 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 you know, stuff a shirt. Like, I, I, I don't know why we're here. So I just am compelled to do it, you know? So I, I don't know. I think that's, that's a little bleaker than maybe some artists who are inspired by what they do. At the end of the day, I, like, I, I come out of the funk and I think, hey, that's okay. That song's okay. And I'll talk to someone like you and you like you know the names of the songs and have heard them and makes you happy. And I'm like, good. They were useful. They are incredibly useful. I, that was such a great episode with, with Bob Saget because it was funny because you both almost started out in each other's places. Bob was talking about writing serious songs as a teen and and, and filing them with the Library of Congress or something. And then you were, were talking about how some of your early songs were these beautiful melodies with really raunchy lyrics played at, you know, a J.C. Penney's or a department store. And it got me thinking about the funny similarities in a way between comedy and music. How I heard somebody say once that all comedians want to be musicians and all musicians want to be comedians. And I was wondering, I mean, I think of people like Lenny Bruce and George Carlin, who it's like jazz. I mean, the rhythm of the words and and then people like the Beatles falling in with the Monty Python crowd and early SNL performers with a lot of uh, blues musicians and stuff. What is the relationship, if any, between between music and comedy? Well, I think there are a lot of songwriters or musicians who see the world for its absurdity. I think the best comedians do. I think the best songwriters are painfully honest. Now, that doesn't mean that they're that, that it's a reflection specifically, honestly, of their lives. So like, you know, Bruce Springsteen says he went to the Badlands, that maybe he's never been there. We don't have to, you know, when I'm, I don't mean literal, I mean emotional honesty. That, that That's in common. But I don't think all comedians and all musicians necessarily have that, have that, 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 that tie. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's just, it's just the absurdity. I, I, I've, I've always been blown away that how little tolerance people have in songs for some humor, because I've always felt like, uh, uh like humor isn't, humor isn't, um, just purely funny. H- humor is sad and angry and, you know, uh, confused. And that's what a good song should be. Bob and I have, uh, I mean, we we've we've got a, a a load in common. We we were we were great buds from the moment we, we met back in like 1998. And I don't know if we go a couple of weeks without communicating, no matter where where we are. We we see things very very similarly. And like you say, it's funny because I started off writing like all these dick sucking songs, and 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 now that that's Bob's. <laughs> that's Bob's thing, and he started off writing serious songs, and now that's my thing. I think, I think, I think, uh, uh, I guess I got the better end of that deal. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to fifteen hundred dollars. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Twenty-one plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's one eight hundred GAMBLER. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. The humor, I mean, you, it's to, to laugh to keep from crying. I mean, I think of your, your song from last year, 2020. Just, I mean, it, it was a funny song in a lot of ways about just this a- absolutely horrific time in our world and our, our planet. And I, I'm sure that was in some way, I mean, was that cathartic for you to write something like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, like like a waltz has great perspective. A waltz is something that you, you know, you hear a waltz. A waltz is like this old person who has kind of put it in perspective. It's like Vienna, the Billy Joel song. That's a waltz, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just old. It's totally a waltz. Yeah. There's something slightly distancing about a waltz. I mean, a waltz doesn't sit down and just cry on your sofa. <laughs> you can't think of a waltz that does that. It has a voice of... of a solid, this is bad, but it will pass. And so I kind of wanted to like, you know, uh, uh, diminish it a little bit. And then the absurdity of how many years it felt like we were living. I mean, the funny thing is, is like, you know, 2020 last year really was, and we may not now remember that. It may, it may take a while before this is kind of sinks in again, but at the time, you really didn't know what year it was from day to day. It's like, is this 1968? This is, okay, <laughs> uh, these these protests. Okay, now is this 1938? Are we, is this Nazi time? Is that what this is? Oh, no, guess what? It's the Civil War. Just just saw that on Twitter. Civil War, definitely. Definitely, definitely ni- uh, 1860. So uh, that was so scary, not knowing what year we were going to relive that was the worst year in, in, uh, in history. Um, and now it's like we're just stuck in, in, in the slowest year ever. Rather than reliving them all over and over again, we are now just in one long year. So 2020 and 2021, maybe even 2022, will feel like one year. Kind of the way we look back at Pontiacs, and it's like you can't tell the difference between three years of Pontiac. They all had the same uh, headlights on them. Well, you, unlike many musicians I've talked to recently, have actually started playing shows again in uh, in Australia. How's, how's that been like for you? You know, uh, I did, yeah, I finished off a tour. It was good. It was a different sort of reality than the one that I think will ever be in the U.S. because they were, they had to adopt a zero, kind of a zero zero tolerance policy on the virus in order to survive. So um, right now there are, I think, 10, maybe 10 new cases of COVID in the entire country. and, And we are flipping out. Because 10 is 10 too many. And so they're shutting down uh, a second week of lockdown in uh, uh, Melbourne, which is going to cost untold uh, millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars for their economy to keep the rest of the country safe. And so with that kind of pedantic care, touring was really kind of tough. I mean, I, I felt like I didn't go five seconds without getting jabbed up the nose and sent back into quarantine. And wondering if the show was going to go on that night, 
you know, and sometimes the rules would be different. If I'm walking through an orchestra for rehearsal, it's like a couple masks on me to get to the seat. Then I got the seat. No one's within two meters of me. I can look both ways, take the mask off, you know, little things like that. I mean, you've been living with it in the, in America, but it hasn't been like one person is going to tip the country into, into, into COVID, you know, so, so there was a different vibe. Now it's pretty relaxed most places. And I feel like when I get to the States, it's probably a little more relaxed, but every country, you know, the world is, is raging with this virus much more than it was. And in America, it seems like things are getting better. So I find, you know, living outside of America just highlights to me all the more how different of an experience it is everywhere in the world. Um, it's very different everywhere else. I, I should have asked this compassionate question earlier. How have you been? How have you been dealing with, with all this? Have you been, <laughs> have you been okay? <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Well, I should ask the same of you. You look, I mean, you look like you're doing well. I probably sound just fine. <laughs> I think right. we're doing good, man. Thank you for asking. <laughs> you know, it, it's been, you know, it's just everyone's been improvising through it. Hopefully we end up, it ends up being a good thing for everyone, you know, because I remember that uh, when I say good thing for everyone, I mean, that's so, that's such a minefield of people have lost their jobs, their family, uh, their, their, their lives, their health. I mean, look, you can't take, uh, you can't flippantly talk through that, can you? But on the broader scale of humanity, hopefully we can find the silver lining. I, I, I remember uh, reading an economist over a year ago as we were slipping into the pandemic saying, I believe that this may put the economy uh, in the 21st century uh, and, and was outlining some things that maybe it was time that these things happened for the betterment of people's lives in general. Who knows? I feel like I've been trying to do that for me. Like, what matters most? Has there been a silver lining for you this last year? Stopping. Having to stop touring. That, that's been one. And, and while that's a huge financial issue and a scary career thing, it's also, from just a mental health point of view, it's amazing not to be living in different time zones every day and not living in hotels <laughs> and buses and actually having some time when I wasn't meeting 75 new people a day. I saw on, on Instagram, probably around last summer, you said something about how the new album's coming together in this apartment. Is that something that, <laughs> that you're working on, or was that just a tease? <laughs> My new album is like your new song. <laughs> gotcha. It is. It's, just, it's the same thing. It doesn't exist until I do it. You know, it's like I can say it all I want to and put it out there to the world, and they're like, yeah, he's working on an album. Where is it? It'll, I you know. I, 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 some of that puts pressure on me. Like, I, if I make an announcement, then, then, uh, uh, then, I, then it, it increases the pressure to do it. You should announce on this show that your new song is coming next week. I'll do it if I can announce that your new album's coming at the end of the year. Wow! <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. Brinksmanship. I've got a lot of it. I do, <laughs> and I bet you've got a lot more of a batch of songs than than you think. I think you probably too. Uh, you know, being intelligent, thoughtful, and compassionate is really another one of those contradictions to creativity. It's difficult because you think of all the reasons why what you, uh, what you might want to do is not necessary, not good enough, all these things. But, you know, I go with the old Nike, just do it thing and see what happens. Well, I'm none of those things, so I still don't know what my excuse is, but thank you. <laughs> You just proved that you are. Everyone that's not ben, says that it they has are. been such a pleasure talking to you. My, my last question before I let you go. On Lightning Bugs, there's a, a really great segment called New Week Resolution, where your guests share a kind of awareness exercise that would help listeners creatively. I wanted to ask you the same question. Do you have a, a New Week Resolution for us this week? Not to put you totally on the spot. Oh, <laughs> that is... Oh, wow. Well, I always give my, you know, we always give the, the guest a heads up on that uh -oh. one, but I guess I've had mine, haven't I? I do the show. Isn't that funny that I haven't even thought about it for myself? I've just been listening to everyone else's. Well, let me think really quickly off the bat. What would I say? The most useful thing that I can think of for someone to do. Well, this would be specifically for, for you as a songwriter then. Let's, let's go with the morning thing. I mean, I don't think it needs to be morning, but let's just go with the morning thing. And um, you just need to um, basically shit out the first couple chords, any configuration of notes, any words that come to mind, 
faster than they, I mean, uh, if you judge them and pause and don't write them down, then you get electric shock. You can't do that. So we have to hook you up to a wall socket and just give yourself 15 minutes a day. And these are the shavings of your pile for the end of the week. And at the end of the week, you have an unedited bunch of stuff. And that is just step one. And, uh, but, but it is a step. And if you don't make that step, you won't get to the next one. And I think you probably need to have a promise that you're going to do that again the next week. And I think that's a kind way of doing it because the other way is you have to create something and finish it this moment. And that's the more Russian uh, violinist teacher way of doing it. And it's probably pretty effective. But I think for you and those like you, you let's let's see what kind of pile of uh, shavings you can have at the week. And don't judge the pile at the end of the week. Uh, even if they're chords that aren't related to each other, there, there aren't notes that are related to each other, words that are related. They are. They came out of this time period. And when you look at them in two or three years, you'll know that you won't come up with those that year. You came up with them now, the way things feel now. So just appreciate them for what they are. Consider them a first step, you know, and then continue to go. I think that that kind of forward motion, I don't know if that's a proper exercise, but um, but I think, uh, m- uh, you know, uh, making a pile of shavings for the end of the week. to And you're going to look at them at the end of the week, take a drink, look at them, appreciate them, think that they're kind of funny. Don't judge them at all. It's not time. Deal. That's, that's not a good, that's not a good New Week's resolution. I wasn't organized, but uh, there's something to it. I think it was excellent. Ben Folds, thank you. So much for your music and your time today and all of your, your, your expertise and words of wisdom. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Oh, thanks, man. Really good to meet you. Good to talk to you. Hope to see oh, you out there. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I have seen you. I, I'm about to turn into Chris Farley talking to Paul McCartney for a minute, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, I, I have seen you probably, Jesus, 15 times. I, I was showing Mike, and I was too nervous to show you, but uh, he told me I should. Above my piano is, is this. This is your piano key from the Nashville Symphony Orchestra. Oh, that's awesome. No, thank you. That's that's great. I mean, we that that all went to some good stuff. That bought some kids some uh some uh some musical instruments in Nashville. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I thought that was such a, an amazing thing you did and now it has pride of place, my inspiration above my piano when I'm trying and failing to play philosophy or something. Uh I uh keeps me going. So, no, thank you so much for all the joy you've you've given me over the years. It's it's so wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Oh, man. Thanks, thanks very much. It's a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.